Hello everyone and welcome to Zeal Talk episode 2. Today we're going to sit down with Cito Culver. He's a former first round draft pick by the New York Yankees. Um, he was in their system for seven years as well as a year with the Miami Marlins organization. Um, he's been training here this offseason with me here in Rochester, New York. Um, and he's going to be a regular on the show. We're going to talk a lot. Him and I are both swing rats, you know, cage rats. Love talking about baseball, love talking about the swing. Um, so I'm excited to have him on for a bunch of episodes before he heads back um, playing Mexico this year. Um, but today's episode, we're just going to introduce him to the audience. We're going to talk about um, kind of his story, how he went from not really well known to becoming a first round draft pick, um, some lessons he learned through the minor leagues, and a little bit about the swing talk um, that we like to have all the time here as we train. Um, so we'll give you a good glimpse into the conversations, the open conversations we'll have, talking about the swing, talking about different um, aspects about the baseball industry, whether it's development, recruiting, um, movement. We'll talk about big leaguer swings, all different topics just to kind of open it up um, and provide a conversation for the listener. Um, so without any more being said, let's uh, dive in and listen to this conversation with Cito. Cito Culver, welcome to the podcast. Uh, appreciate you joining. We're going to see a lot of you, but um, I just want to uh, start off by uh, having you just tell a little bit about your baseball journey to the listeners. Um, not many people can say that they're a first-round pick, let alone first-round pick, kid from New York, going to the Yankees. So um, tell us a little bit about that, and then we'll kind of just slowly build off that a little bit. Yeah, well, I appreciate you having me. Um, my baseball journey started when I was really young. I mean, I was I loved the game since I was three years old. This was in my family a bunch. Um, I got to high school and did a bunch of perfect game events and got lucky and got picked in the first round by the Yankees in 2010. And uh, that's when my pro journey started. And I mean, I spent seven years with the Yankees, one with the Marlins. And then I've been in indie ball for the past three years. And this year I got the opportunity to go to Mexico to play. So I'm headed to Mexico at the end of February. Awesome. Awesome. So let's start with just high school. Um, I know you said you played a couple of perfect game tournaments. I think a lot of people don't realize um, how quickly like names can go and rise in the draft and how quickly someone can go from not really being well-known to being a first-round pick. So tell us a little bit about that and how we've obviously talked about this a little bit, but how quickly it kind of changed for you. And then next thing you know, you're drafted by the Yankees. Yeah, I remember uh, back when, when I was coming up, it was, perfect game was like the – thing you had to go to as a as a player i remember begging my mom to send me to fort myers to do this perfect game event and uh she scratched up enough money to send me down there and i did that got invited to the national showcase that was in minnesota that year i can't remember what year it was but i had the opportunity to go to the national showcase and that kind of put me on the map where I wasn't really on the map before. Yeah. Um, so I, the, the, the Fort Myers thing kind of put my name out there. I did well, threw the ball hard, hit the ball well, and got invited to the national showcase. And then I was there with the guys. Machado was there. I just from guys I remember on the top of my head, Lorenzen was there. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of a cool event to be a part of, uh, out of my element. I was 16 years old. Yeah. Uh, just out there by myself. So, that was a cool experience for me. And then I wasn't necessarily like a first round guy. Like that, that wasn't like something that I thought was even possible. I kind of played my way into that. Uh, yeah. 
and then I did East Coast Pro Showcase, which was in Lakeland. Did really well there. And then it was back-to-back -back weeks with Area Code, so East Coast Pro, then Area Code. Those two things, I think, really put me, those two tournaments I did well in really put me in a good position moving forward. And then I felt like every time the Yankees came to watch me in high school, I just homer, <laughs> double, you know, just yeah. good at-bats and just everything that I could have done right like to be in the first round like things have to fall into place yeah you know what i mean so it's not like unless you're like the one percent the bryce harper is the those types of guys like being in the first round like you really have to fall into like good situations and i just think every time they came i just played better and better so i got i think i mean there's some luck that goes into it but obviously i worked pretty hard yeah and how i mean as a kid in New York, it's probably easy to say yes to the Yankees. Was it a difficult decision to go, you know what, I'm not going to go to college. Um, I'm going to just go, you know, go play in the Yankees organization, you know, New York kid. What was that like? Was that a tough decision or was it just like, no, I'm going? Well, going into the draft, I had, even on draft day, I had no idea that I was going to be a first-round pick. Um, I was committed to Maryland, um, and I was okay with going there. Like, I, I didn't have a necessarily didn't have like a I'm gonna side if someone drafts me or I'm like I was okay with going to Maryland uh had a good relationship with the coach there he said all the right things to me I loved what he was preaching and I mean I was gonna go there and be two-way so like I was gonna go there play infield and pitch um but then like what do you do when the Yankees call 32nd pick I had no clue what was gonna happen I was so funny on draft day I was I had people over my house watching the draft, but more so because I knew a bunch of guys in the draft. Yeah. You know, I played against them coming up. I traveled a lot as a, as a kid. So I played Harper in these, in these types of guys since I was like 12. And then yeah. you just play the same guys over and over again as you go up in those ranks. So I was watching it more so just, it was cool to see all the people that I played against and competed against yeah. being drafted. And I was, I was on a bike ride with my friend maybe 10 minutes before I got a phone call, like my mom's like, the Yankees are going to draft here. Like in next 20 minutes, you need to get back home. <laughs> so like, I'm like out, like in the, like in my town that I grew up in, just riding bikes, just being a kid. Yeah. And as soon as I like get back into the, to my driveway, the, my phone rings and it's like, Hey, you're good at 32. My agent said, I was like, what is that? What do you mean? <laughs> Cause I was, I didn't think, like, I was thinking, I was told, like, rounds one through four. Yeah. And more so on the three, four side. Yeah. I mean, I don't play a lot of, they didn't play a lot of baseball growing. Like, here, you can't, you can only play a certain amount of games. Yeah. So, I was, didn't think, and there was a chance of me to go in the first round. And then he calls me, like, you're good at 32. Yankees are going to pick you. And I'm, like, just in, the, in shock. Yeah. You know, just tears flowing and yeah. it was crazy that's crazy that's awesome um okay so you got drafted you know 17 18 years old you go to the yankees organization um stressful exciting a little bit of everything and how was like your first couple i'd say your first year in rookie ball like how was that was it an adjustment or did you feel like you kind of got through season? um early on uh just more so excited yeah you know excited for the opportunity um something i've always wanted to be a pro yeah. So for me, it was more excitement and just like 
ready to get down. Like usually first rounders don't sign till later on in the year. I signed right. I wanted to go play. Yeah. Like that's, that's who I was. That's always who I've been. Like I want to play in a baseball rat. So I just want to get down there and get my career started. So I got down there fairly early. Um, and I just like my, my best memories of like early on is just like being in a clubhouse with a bunch of different people from everywhere people from Latin America speaking Spanish, like just a culture shock for me. Yeah. So like I was excited and then like nervous because it's just like, I was a going from being like a big fish in a small pond to just a regular, you know, a regular person. And like, these are all, all these kids are what I was here, Mm -hmm. wherever they're from. So like the, I was excited to be down there, excited to work with, professionals excited excited to just do this for a living so most mostly excited for the opportunity but it's definitely like eye-opening once i got down there yeah for sure um and then obviously like in the yankees organization like you said seven years um i remember when i was i was probably in high school at the time but um hearing your name as you know they had mentioned like oh he's gonna replace jeter he's the first round pick coming up through the system was that something you thought about or was, you know, put on you or was it something where you didn't really think about it? You were just trying to get better. Um, and then I guess answer that. But then the second part would be, um, do you feel like there was any pressure coming through the system? Like as failure happened with like, I'm a first round pick, so I have to get there or I have to replace Jeter. Was there any of that going through your head or I know that would, be- I think, uh, subconsciously. Yeah. There's like, I will say the Yankees do a really good job of like, not putting pressure on you yeah um they really preach like winning and how important that is so for me like i i thought winning was the most important thing yeah right so like i try to do anything i could i never thought about replacing their i never thought about being the next shortstop i just tried to help the team i was on yeah that was like my main my main goal because they say this all the time like be where your feet are yep right so like I can't think about being in New York when I'm in low A and I've got 500 at bats under my belt only. Yeah. You know, can replace him. Exactly. Right? Like, yeah. an icon in the game, first ballot Hall of Famer, first ballot human being. <laughs> you know? So it's like, 100%. you can't really replace that. So I never, that was never really a thought of mine to replace that, replace him. Um, I was just trying to get better every day and that's what I focused on. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, so obviously as we're sitting here, we talked about your journey with the Yankees for seven years, Marlins for a year, a little bit of any ball going to Mexico this year. Um, so obviously there's some failure. Obviously everyone fails with that, but is there any main like lessons you learn, things you look back on and wish you did differently? Is there no regrets or are you, obviously that might be a, a lo- heavy loaded question. But yeah. There's no, I don't, I wouldn't say that there's regrets. Um, I enjoyed every step of the way. I, I enjoyed the struggle. I enjoyed the, the people that I met. I have, I made lifelong friends yeah. with the Yankees, uh, going through those, those seasons with people. And I wasn't the only one that was, that struggled, you know, like yeah, going through awesome. struggles with other people and, yeah seeing how they handle it and trying to be just trying to get better every day. So like, I don't, I wouldn't say I have any regrets. I would say that I wish I 
took more accountability with my game and yeah. with my game i mean like basically offensively i wish i took yeah. more accountability and i i wish i dove deeper into what makes a good hitter earlier yeah yeah um to a side of that was it would you say more so like just taking um accountability ownership of your own career and like understanding you know obviously you have great coaches through all the levels but at some point you have to take ownership of this is my swing i need to figure out what i need to do best even if that means not necessarily going 100 percent with what other people are telling you in a way. Yeah. yeah i think i was i think i was a bit naive yeah um going into the yankees organization one of the best or sports organization in the world yeah. one of the most winning organizations in the world so in my eyes as a 17 year old uh they knew everything yeah you know so i think uh there was a there was a point in time where I might have been too coachable, yeah. You know, where I was trying to please a bunch of different people with my swing and with my setup and things of that nature. Whereas, like, I there was a point in time where I felt like I looked in the mirror and was like, "Who is this?" Yeah, because I just felt like I was trying to do what this person said and what this person said, and nothing against the people that were they were just trying to help. Exactly. Yeah. They just didn't necessarily know what i needed at the time yeah. and i didn't know yeah. so like how would they know like it's my i'm taking the at bats so yeah. how would they know more than like i will always relied on other people to make me feel good yeah offensively yeah i never did that on defense i don't know why i thought it was okay to do it on offense but i just think being a little bit naive and not knowing like to take bits and pieces from people and not try to completely overhaul my swing every two weeks yeah that i think yeah i feel like there's definitely <clears throat> needs to be a filter even with kids i work with obviously um i see this more with the college level but guys will work with me whether it's through the summer and the off season go to college they have two different hitting coaches telling them two different things or a head coach saying different than the hitting coach and then you know i feel like the athlete sometimes can get is the one that struggles or is the one that gets hurt by that because like you said, you're trying to be coachable. You're not telling a kid like, hey, just cuss out your coach. <laughs> like, you want to be coachable. But at the same time, I think you need a filter where you can be like, okay, what are they telling me and why are they telling me this? How can I apply that to what my core things are I'm trying to focus on? Not like having a swing change every different coach I talk to. Yeah. Because I've even known from my experience, like I've worked with for a long time, goes to college, comes back, swings completely different. This coach might be telling completely opposite things I'm doing. I'm sure there was some good, obviously goodwill in that, but it can be difficult for me to be like, do I want to keep working with him and hurt the athlete or do I want the athlete to succeed? Because maybe what the coach is telling him can help him to an extent, maybe it won't, but either way, the athlete needs to be confident in what they're doing and at least have a plan and not four different plans, if that makes sense. 100%. Um, and we've talked about that for sure. Um, so we've talked about this, obviously, um, Basically, at some point, obviously, you dove into the swing and realized, okay, what am I doing? Tell about that experience. I know you've mentioned, obviously, COVID helped a little bit with that. Um, and um, even mentioned about, like, switch hitting, stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, when did you start to dive into the swing? And when did you kind of make that shift mentally of, okay, I can now understand what great hitters do, what I need to do, and now apply that to how I think, how I move, how I feel? Well, yeah, okay, so COVID hit. And I thought to myself, like, I want to, there's nothing else to do, right? We're all locked down. We're all in our 
houses. So like I would just sit on the computer for hours and just watch big league hitters, like the the elite big league hitters, the Mookie Betts, the Freddie Freemans, the, so like all these guys. I would I would watch them and I would try to figure out why they like why are they so good, why are they so consistent. Yeah. Right. And then I just started diving into like um, the first person I saw that said something that made sense to me was. Bradham, remember I, yep. I said that to you. So like the split grip drill, yep, made sense to me. Um, and then like I had a almost like a, a I had a chance to play against the Kia Tigers, which is a KBO team. Yep. And I worked on this split grip drill, and then I went to the games and found some success and felt like I was hitting barrels better than I normally did. Yeah. And then that just got like kind of snowballed into just diving down like looking at as much content as possible about hitting i don't care if it looked crazy i wanted to understand it and i wanted to be like the whole goal was to like own be my own hitting coach yes yep like i don't want to rely on anyone else i don't want to rely on anyone else to fix me i don't want to rely on anybody else to see anything i want to just be able to do it myself video it watch it and then fix it by myself repeat it repeat it repeat it and that was when like what happened to me was like I was tired of relying on other people to make me feel good and I wanted to feel good myself yeah that's so important I mean obviously we've talked about it I talk about it all the time with my guys if you have to rely on me to tell you like hey you're early hey you need to load earlier whatever it is like if you have to rely on me every single swing in the cage there's no way that one you're going to be able to make an adjustment in a game in a week in a season but two you're not going to be able to own your swing you're not going to be able to to understand like how your body's moving, have control of that. Like we said, like have video and compare it. Like, okay, what am I thinking? What does that look like? Like you said, if you are always relying on like, okay, I miss hit it. What's my coach saying? You're not going to be able to, like we said, like have your own swing. Yeah. You're basically just relying on different people. Like you're a puppet just to tell you how move like this, move like that. And maybe in the beginning stages, especially like when I work with athletes, yeah, I'm demanding, like I want them to, have certain angles, certain setups, certain feels, but if if we're strictly um, telling them everything to do and not letting them own it or basically have their own swing and make those adjustments on their own, I feel like at least from my perspective, like we're failing the hitter. So like it's easy for big league guys, I feel like, that once they have the control of their body, know what they're trying to do. For me at least, it's easy for me to be like, all right, let me just be a tool. This is what I see. Like, I think we could do this. Let's try this. Let's see what works, what doesn't, and have that collaboration, that conversation instead of, you know, a kid coming in like, hey, I can't hit. Tell me what to do and have to rely on me. Then they get to the season, they're in the box. And they're like, shoot, Dave's not with me. What do I do? You know, so, um, yeah, no, I think that's really powerful. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the swing. Obviously, we'll get to this in other episodes we do. Um, pretty much going through the system, like you were pretty much swing down and so, to the ball. That's what we're being preached to me. Yeah. You know, yeah. which it may, it may help some hitters. Yeah. It 100%. just did not help. Yeah. I mean, I was, I'm like really literal. So when you tell me to swing down, I'm going to swing down. Yeah. You know? So like, I think they meant for me to fall into a different pattern by thinking down because a lot of good hitters, you hear A-Rod and these guys, they talk about swinging down and being direct and things. And then you yeah. got their video and it's not that. Yeah. So they were probably telling me to do it to get a different result. Yeah. I'm more of a literal person that needed to think it 
to do it. Yes. So for me, it was like, I figured that out down the road. Yeah. Like cage work and, and all that stuff, you can do that swinging down and have good results and backspin stuff and yep. look amazing. Yep. So like my, my cage work was like, if, if you made the, to the big leagues off cage work, I would have been there. I would have been in the big leagues immediately. <laughs> yeah. Like that's how good, like how much time I spent in the cage trying to figure it out. And I just never understood why my cage work didn't translate to the game. Yeah. And I just realized that I was just super steep, flipping balls, fouling them off. Yeah. And it just wasn't, I wasn't, it wasn't conducive to me for, to get hits. Yeah. And you were thinking that even in high school, like swing down, hands, hands the ball for the most part. No, the, the crazy thing in high school, I just, I just hit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Like I didn't, I didn't really think about much stuff, you know, like I was like, hit the ball in the big part of the field, hit it hard. Yep. And that was my thoughts and height. Like now thinking back and I haven't thought that far back in a long time. <laughs> yeah. Thinking back on it, high school baseball. I mean, I didn't face the best pitching, Yeah, which it, it is what it is. But even in tournaments when I would go and play, play some of the top guys at, in my, at my age, I, I hit and I never thought about, oh, got to swing down. Oh, got to do this. I was just swinging. Yeah. I would say that I would honestly say that my swing now, all the work I put into it is almost getting back to like closer to what my high school swing probably looked like. Yeah. Yep. So let's talk about that a little bit because we've talked about, you know, certain fields have an expiration date, only lasts a certain amount of time. And I believe, at least is my perspective, that Again, we said the swing downfield works for guys. It does. I think it's tough for a lot of guys if everyone's teaching that and everyone has to think swing down because I'm very similar to you. Like I was very literal. So I think when I was younger, that helped me be in control of my barrel. And I think I probably naturally fell into good patterns. And so that swing down thought with my good patterns probably worked. But like you, I was a cage rat. So me taking 200 swings off a tee a day thinking swing down on top, down, 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 probably ended up, that's what got me ripping across in and out of the zone, yep. flipping balls, rolling over, um, not no ability to hit an outside pitch. Um, and that's where it's like, if you're teaching the hitter the same thing, every hitter the same thing, I should say, you might get through to some. Of course. Except you're teaching. No, well, it's been a work for some of them, for I, sure. But if you're not looking at the individual, understanding the individual, helping the individual understand himself. There's no guarantee that you're going to maximize the potential of that hitter. Yes. hundred. And, and if you're trying to like label hitters yeah. early on in their career, it's like, what for? Like, why would you like, for me, I could vividly remember doing a swing change, going into spring training and having one of the best rounds I've had in a long time where I'm just like, Hitting the ball in the air to the big part of the field, off the batter's eye, homer to left, homer to right, homer to center. And someone tells me, that's not the type of hitter you are. Yeah. I was like, why would you even try to define what is what type of hitter is? You know, does that make sense? Yeah. Like, why would you even do that? Especially at that point in your career, you're probably, what, six years into it? Yeah. Like, why would, why I'm you trying to make these changes. I'm seeing results. The last six years wasn't necessarily 100% working. Yeah. Why not try to change the type of hitter I am or at least understand more of who I am? And at the end of the day, well, I had to go into the office and tell him, I'm not trying to hit home runs. I'm just trying to hit the ball 
on my barrel in the air. Yeah. And that's, and then they kind of backed off and kind of let me do what I, but they had a big problem with, they thought I was trying to hit home runs and it's like, <clears throat> I wasn't trying to hit home runs A and B, if I was trying to hit them and hitting them, what's wrong with that? Yeah. hundred percent. I know from my experience, I was a speed lead. I had lead off since I was five years old. I ended up switching to center field as I got older, but center field leadoff hitter, I was your prototypical hit the ball on the ground. Why are you hitting in the air? You know? And for me, I got my real wake up call was when I got to college and I saw guys taking BP and I'm like, these guys are back spinning balls, a big part of the field. And I'm hitting choppers a shortstop. Yeah. But in my head, I'm like, that was a good round for me, but compared to the other people, like one, I'm trying to win a job. Yeah. Get a spot as a freshman. And I look like I'm just gonna hit fungos to shortstop all day. Yeah. But that's what I was told was like, hey, you're fast, so you can beat out a ground ball. And I never questioned it because for me, I'm like, well, I want to be coachable. So if that's what they want me to do, I'm gonna do it. And even I learned, yep, if I hit line. if I hit a fly ball in BP, they're like, Oh, you lost a swing. I want low line drives, ground balls. And I remember once I asked why in high school. And I believe the answer I was given was, because you can beat that out. Which, yeah, I could fly. I could beat that out. But my head was like, shouldn't that be, if I miss it a ball, so that loss, yeah. like I'm going to get on base for you guys if I miss it a ball. And I'm going to be able to steal bags because I'm on base if I miss it a ball. I can beat, like. Imagine, imagine the Phillies telling Trey Turner to hit ground balls. Yeah, exactly. Like that doesn't, that didn't compute. And it wasn't until I got to college where I was like, okay, I'm not hitting the ball like everyone else, you know, but I, I stuck to it. I hit well. I had good hands, so I got away with a lot of stuff. But the second you play in conference in college and everyone knows how you hit and they're watching your BP, the writing was on the wall like, hey, when Wessels gets up, throw him outside, throw him off speed. And for me, when I made my swing change, it wasn't to have more power. My first two years in college, we had a lot of juice. We hit the ball hard. We hit a lot of home runs. I was a leadoff guy. I got on base at a crazy rate, and I had to steal. I got this first base, no outs. I was scoring. You know, like, I was not worried about hitting home runs. Right. Now I had coaches or people that were like, oh, you're trying to get launch angle, try to hit home runs. And for me, I was like, my main focus, at least, was I wanted my barrel in the zone for a long time, primarily because I went through a whole year of not hitting the outside pitch. And the second I got the two strikes, I had to basically stand on home plate, hoping that I could poke one the other way. And I didn't, I'd probably roll over. So for me, it was like, no, I want well, defensive. Yeah. And I'm off defensive, right? Like if I can have a clean path where I'm in the zone for a long time, what better can help me? guys wanting to feel offensive. Yeah. Well, on offense. Exactly. That's, that was my whole, that was my whole thing for the swing change is like, I felt with the, with the, for me personally, with the swing down, I felt defensive. I felt like I was being reactive to what the pitcher was doing. Yeah. And I wasn't putting myself in good positions to hit the ball hard. Yeah. And like we said, guys can think swing down and be aggressive and like be strong, whatever. Like, again, we're not saying that's technically wrong. No. Right? Mike Trout, Bayrod said they swung down, they swung down. Yeah. But again, that's not for everyone. So like, again, for me, I got lucky enough that my. It's not a cookie cutter thing. No. I don't think it's not a cookie cutter yeah. thing. And for me, like I got lucky enough. My, my college head coach was like, what are you trying to do? I told him and he said, I trust you own it. It's your career. If you fail, we might be there to tell you that's what you were doing. But if you don't like it's your career, like you have four years in college. Obviously I want to play after that, but you had four years in college. 
you should be trying to be the best player you can by the end of year four. That was my mindset. And I felt like, yeah, I can have good stats and luck into hits, but be very inconsistent. Go through a blackout phase where I probably was falling into good patterns for two weeks. I blackout. Got my numbers up. Man. Yeah. <laughs> but that's like the rest of the season, I had no ability. And for me, at least, like it clicked for me finally where I was like one of our first games, two strikes, outside fastball. Didn't even think, and I hit off the base of the wall in left center. And I never hit a ball. I never hit a routine fly ball left field. Yeah. Because I, like, couldn't even hit the other way because I was just pushing maybe a blue board shortstop's head. Like, so that for me was like, okay, there's something there. And then at least for me, like, that's where I dove into it. So, yeah. So, again, we'll talk about hitting a lot. Yeah, episodes. that's for sure. Um, I want to talk about just, like, your career now. Okay, you talked about you're going to Mexico. Um. We can talk a little bit about what we've been working on, maybe even save that for another episode. But um, what are your goals? Okay, this Mexico is obviously a little bit step up of a league than you've played in before. Mm-hmm. Um, competition, more guys are going to be there in spring, longer spring training. Um, what are your goals for that? What are things you're really looking to see result-wise, even if it's, you know, not hit why like hits, but like what are you trying to see result-wise? Um, just overall goals for this year, um, and then we can kind of shift that into what we've been working on a little bit this offseason. Um yeah, let's talk about like your goals going to Mexico. Like, what do you? What okay, do you so think about? Mexico. Um, what I'm most excited about Mexico is getting back to like high level, like chess game, yeah, type thing going on. Like, uh, nothing against where I played in the the past three years. I just it was a little bit more of a younger league. Yeah. Um, and this is more of guys my age, you know. So yeah, the mental side of it, I'm excited to get back into that like chess game and. And, and thinking through the game because yeah. that's my favorite part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, goals uh, goals for me are is for me simply is like make my next swing better than my last. Like okay. that's just like one one simple goal for me is like you can't control results, you can't control these other things, but I can control making my swing my next swing better than my last. And that's like that's what I'm, I'm looking to do as I go there. Um, I don't I don't have any number goals because I think once you put a number goal on something, yeah. like you kinda cap it, right? Yep. So like if I say I wanna hit three hundred, like if you come up short, you hit two fifty, like that's not good. But yeah. like if I say three fifty, that seems like crazy out of reach. So you put stress on yourself. So like yeah. I don't wanna I don't wanna put like a number out there per se. I just how many barrels can I hit in the game? Like, yeah, it's just like, that's the only thing that matters to me because if you hit barrels all the time, numbers will be what they, what you want them to be. Yeah. So that's, that's my goal is like make my, la- make my next swing better than my last and hit as many barrels as I can. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Um, let's talk a little bit. Um, it will kind of segue into other episodes we do. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, what we've been working on, um, this off season. Um, we can talk a little bit about, you know, what your experience has been like training here, what you've liked about it, um, and, you know, pretty much how you think what we've worked on here is going to help in Mexico. Talk, yeah. We can talk a little bit about that. Um, so I I switch hit, so I have to work both sides, which isn't fun <laughs> all the time. But um, the stuff that we've been working on here has, I just feel like has allowed me to be, like, consistently behind the ball, and consistently on my barrel yeah i mean i think that 
it's been like the machine has been tough for me in the past, yeah. right? Being consistent on the machine, being able to get my barrel there. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people, a lot of players have nightmares about that machine. Yep. Right. So like, it's, it's not a, it's not a tool that's used enough in my opinion, because it exposes bad swings in my opinion. And, um, I've never felt more comfortable off the machine than I do now. And I think it's a credit to you, a credit to the work that we put in here. Um, a credit to just the ridiculous obsession I have with this hitting thing. I'm, you know, we've shared that obsession. I think, um, but I just think working here has been unique because I don't know if I've worked with someone who like kind of went down the same rabbit hole as me. Like yeah. I, there's a lot of parallels, uh, in like our journey to fi find the best swing yeah. possible. Right. So like, that's been my, that's been my goal over the past three, four years is just, can I find like my best swing yeah well what does my best swing look and feel like yeah. and that's what i've been chasing for a while now and i obviously there's always room for improvement but i feel yeah. pretty close and pretty comfortable with what we've been doing um working behind the ball working through the ball and just it's been it's been really good yeah that's awesome okay so we'll we'll kind of wrap it up there um as i mentioned before we got a month till you go. So we'll be making a bunch of episodes talking about a bunch of different topics. We'll even dive into the swing a little bit more stuff that works for you, stuff that I like to teach, but, um, it's a good episode just to introduce the, the audience to you. And then we'll just turn on the mic in the future and just talk hitting like we usually do. What's funny is, uh, we started doing this after like, it's been like four or five weeks we've been working together. Yeah. And we usually talk for about two hours after we get hit or done hitting about the swing. So, um, we were like, hey, let's just turn the mic on and have a bunch of episodes. And, you know, we said it might help other people. Yes. High school kids, younger kids, for sure. guys. Like, we've been able to reach a lot of people with some of the stuff we've been putting out and, and help a lot of hitters. And hopefully this is just another place we can have the open conversations and uh, talk about different topics. And you know, people, look at some, people look at some swings, yeah. too, and talk about big league hitters and yeah, 100%. what's missing and what's not missing and what's great and what's not. 100%. I'm excited about it, man. So, uh, yeah. Okay, so that'll wrap up the episode, and uh, I'll see you guys back very shortly for other episodes in the future. So.